Soloist Podcast. Welcome, it's your host, Solomon Jones, also known as Solo TV84. Woo! And um, yeah, guys, this is an exclusive just for the podcast, right? Because I wanna I wanna address um something that a lot of guys question me on. Uh, when I say that I've approached, you know, about 3,000 women or over 3,000 women, right? And a lot of guys think that, oh, he's capping, he's talking-ish, this and that. Uh, but let me say this. Number one, we you got to be, you got to understand. Number one, it, it was a different era back then. It was a different era. We're talking about 2008 to 2012, right? Because in 2008, that's when I um, started to learn about this stuff. And that's when I started to go out. And one thing about me is is that uh, when I become fixated on something, I become obsessive in a way to get it figured out. You know, I become obsessive um, to, to get it handled. This can be a good thing and this can be a bad thing, Right. It can be a good thing because if you're trying to lose weight or put on muscle, it's great. But it can be a bad thing because if you're doing a bad habit like partying or wasting your time, then it's not so good. And I think that people got to understand, 2008, for those who don't remember, let me paint the picture. Because there's some kids who might be too young to remember what, what was really going on and and they might not understand. But 2008... The economy had just gone down, okay? So I started to go out before 2008. And so I remember going out, the bars would be filled to the brim. You could, when you would walk down the, the city, right? When you would go on a night out, you could feel the electricity. It was like the people talking and the energy, it, it was like electricity, like a static that you could feel, right? And sometimes... You know, there's certain nights, depending on where you are in my city, where you can still feel that, but not so much. And so it was a different era back then. Um, smartphones were just starting to come out. They weren't as popular as they are now, right? Uh, this was before Tinder. This was before Me Too. And that the era then is, you know, the uh, the game scene was pretty huge. Nowadays, people think... Uh, the game scene is huge because they see these dating coaches on YouTube. But compared to what it was a little over a decade ago, it's very minuscule, actually. It's very, very small, right? And so I come from an era where, you know, if a guy wanted to get that shit handled, if he wanted to self-improve, if he wanted to become good with women, you went out. And women were a lot more receptive, but women were still women. Women would still shut you down. Women would still, you know, give you their number and then not text you back. Women would still flake on dates. They, they would still do these things, you know. And so my mindset at that time, you know, I just dealt with a crazy grenade. <laughs> and a grenade is a chick, you know, slang for a chick that's, you know, crazy. And, and I was like, yo, I got to get this. I got to get this handled. I got to get this figured out. I just got to. You know, because I was I was at a point where um, I just needed to get it handled. And so one of the things that I, I started doing was I started to immerse myself in reading seduction material. 
And when I say reading seduction material, I'm not talking about PUA shit, right? I'm talking about reading self-improvement, particularly mindset. A lot of people got to understand that for me to change who I was then, I had to have a completely different mindset. And so I started to literally become consumed with reading material on self-improvement in regards to how to approach women, how to talk to women, how to, um, you know, what to say, how to text close, all of this stuff. Like it consumed my life to the point that uh, I remember one time I was working at an appliance store and they, they had caught me on the computer looking at the seduction material. Now, when I say seduction, once again, let me be clear because they, we got to make a distinction. I wasn't reading pickup shit. And when I say pickup, right, I'm talking about you do step A to get to step B. No, I was reading stuff in regards to how to have a mindset. And then I was also reading something known as field reports. Now, field reports, for those who are not familiar, are reports where guys would talk about going out on a night and then they would record it, right? And I always wondered, how do these guys write the field reports down, especially if they have a couple drinks or whatever, right? And some guys would be like, well, I don't drink. I'm like, okay, cool. So what I did, I, I, I took it even a step further. I started to go out and I would bring my camera with me. Because one of the things, because I would approach so many girls that sometimes you would forget. And so by taking this rinky-dink digital camera at the time, um, you know, it, it helped me to remember my nights out. It, it helped me. Because then I could just go back the next morning and say, oh, I remember this. I remember that. So what I did is I kept the journal. I kept the journal and I would write my approaches down. I mean, I was a madman. I was pretty organized back then. But I really wanted to get that shit sorted out. I was very motivated. And let me be clear. Before I continue with this story, um, I don't glorify that approaching 3,000 women. Why? Because it's very simple. Had I used that energy and that drive, um, I would be a millionaire right now. I would be rich. I wasted a lot of my 20s just approaching a bunch of women, right? Yes, I met some great women. Don't get me wrong. I've got some great stories and great experiences that I could never tell my parents, that I probably could never tell my children. But I will tell you guys, a bunch of random strangers, because you don't know me and I don't care about your judgment, but you know. Um, so I don't glorify that life. And, and that's one of the reasons why, for those of you who are familiar with me, you know, I, I have a ebook that I wrote my free ebook where I spoke about my first year, um, doing these approaches, my first 1000 approaches and, and the cost of it and make no mistake, guys, when you approach that many women, there's going to be a cost. There's going to be a sacrifice. Okay. And we'll talk about that. So, you know, my mindset totally changed. Now, we have to clarify what is an approach because some people think an approach is, uh, it doesn't count unless you ask a woman for a number, right? To me, an approach is simply, uh, an approach can be as simple as saying hi to a woman and having a conversation. That's an approach. That's an approach. Saying hi, how you doing? 
and, and, and then trying to have a conversation. Now, if you just say hi, uh, I don't know if that's an approach, but I'm, I'm saying saying hi and maybe trying to talk. An approach isn't, okay, I tried to go for an, I mean, this is my definition, right? So you got to remember, um, for a guy, and, and I was younger back then, so I had more energy. Plus, I was, a, you know, a lot slimmer and better looking than I am now, let's be honest. But you have to remember, there were times where you, you could be at one place and approach 10 women back to back to back to back to back to back. And you could get blown out very easily, very fast. Because listen, if a woman's not interested, she's not really going to give you time. And even though I live in a, in a state where women are polite and friendly, or they were back then, nowadays it's, you know, um, women might, you know, try to be polite and talk to you and whatnot. But, you know, it, it, it really, you know, if a woman's not interested, they're not going to try to waste their time. And so there were some nights where, you know, easily you can do 10, 20 approaches. But, you know, one of the things that I did, now we're getting to my strategy here. Man, I should put this in a, in a seminar or something. One of the things I did is when I was younger, I preferred like nightclubs or like sports bars that were, had like a very fast paced environment where there were a lot of women. The reason why is, number one, you had the quantity of women, and usually quality as well. And number two, you could approach massively. So you could approach women back to back to back, right? And back then, like I said, I became obsessed with approaching. So I would go out, and it's not unusual for me to do an average of 10 to 20 approaches a night. It's not unusual at all, right? And there were certain nights, I remember, there were certain nights where it would be 30 approaches. Hell, I remember there were two nights where I used to have this wingman named J-Set, right? We used to go out, and that was that's his code name. We, we gave each other code names. And I remember there were a couple nights where me and J-Set would black out, literally. And when I say black out, I'm not talking about getting drunk. I'm talking about, like, we, we would be in a zone together. Like, he would be in a zone and I would feed off of that. Or I would be in a zone and he'd feed off of that, right? And then we'd approach 100 women in one night. You know what I'm saying? So people got to understand, when you start to approach, the first initial approaches might be a little bit ugly, might be a little rusty. But that's why they call them warm-up approaches, right? So warm-up approaches, basically what they used to say is, your first three approaches should be warm-up approaches. We did that. Because what happens is, when you start to approach, and I'm, I'm going to use a, uh, an RSD term here, but you do get into a flow state. That when you start, when you build momentum approaching, and, and that momentum carries, then you, you, you get into a zone. And when I was younger, there were many nights where I would get into a zone. And you would feel invincible. It, it would be a high, a natural high that I can't explain. I think the best way to explain it is kind of like, when you're jogging and you get like a runner's high when you're tired, but then all of a sudden the endorphins would kick in. It became addictive and I became addicted to approaching. Now, when you hear what I'm going to tell you next, now you're going to think this guy is crazy. So you got to remember, though, I was younger. <laughs> I had a lot more energy. And when you're younger, well, you know, like I said, I was 25. Right. 
I mean, I, uh, listen, when I was, when I was horny, listen, I was horny. Okay. But I was working two jobs at the time. I was working two jobs. And, um, I remember there would be nights where I would work my, the appliance job from, um, two 30 to 11. Then I would do uh, work at a grocery store stocking shelves from 1130 to seven. And then if it was a weekend at the appliance store, cause I don't, I didn't have set hours. I would work then from eight to four 30. It sounds insane, right? I know. And then what I would do is I would maybe take a, you know, four or five hour nap and then I would go out. It was crazy. And I'm going to be honest at that time. I didn't like where my life was. Working two jobs was depressing, right? And I didn't go out every night like that. I'm not saying this was every night or that I worked both jobs every night. I'm talking about primarily the weekends. But it, it was kind of like my way of coping. You know what I mean? Me going out and, and learning this was my way of like escaping my financial situation. Where instead of, you know, maybe figuring how, how, out how to get money or this and that, um, or, or start a business. I was using that as a escapism, right? And here's the thing at that time I was younger. I didn't understand about investing. Um, 2008 Bitcoin wasn't around then. Right. I mean, Bitcoin came out a year later and, and I wish I would have heard about it, but uh, <laughs> I didn't, you know? Um, so I was younger then. And when you're young, you have a lot of what? You've got a lot of energy and time, but you're broke. Well, I didn't have a lot of time because I was working two jobs, but I did have a lot of energy. Now at my age, now almost over 10 years, there's no way I could work two jobs. I, there's just no way I could do that. I, there's just no way. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not built like that. And, and I don't wish that on anybody. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I have insomnia. And all these sleep apnea issues because of that lifestyle of working two jobs and then going out and stuff like that. So it was a different era. And, you know, I got rejected a lot. I, I got rejected a lot. I mean, I got a lot of numbers and I got a lot of dates too. But I got rejected a lot. And one thing that happens is... When you start to approach women so much, and, and let me just be clear, 99.9, well, not 99.9, I would say 98%. Yeah, 98% of my approaches were during the, the, you know, at nightclubs and bars and, or in the street at night in, in between bars and clubs. Now, now I'm going to put you guys in some game. Where I live in my city, there's a, you know, First Avenue is where the places where all the bars are at. Now with the the beer flu, the COVID situation, a lot of these clubs and bars are closed. But back then, the, these bars and clubs were popping. One thing I learned is if you wanted to talk to a girl, and I'm giving away a free game tip. Watch the dating coach steal this from me. Um, one thing I learned is the best time to talk to a girl is not inside the club. It's outside. Why? Because when you're inside the club or bar, it's loud as hell. She might be a little tipsy. She might be with her friends. 
it, it, it might be a situation where she she doesn't have a lot of time or you don't have a lot of time. But if you're outside in the street, this is why I love doing street approaches, is, is that it's not as loud. They can hear you. Now, you're thinking a black man approaching random women of various ethnicities, black women included, in the streets. That's crazy, right? But hear me out for a second. Women don't expect to be approached in the street, but they're still open because when you approach them in the street at night during that environment where they're going out and they're going in between bars and clubs, it's perfect. And so I remember one night, particularly when I first started, um, I had approached this group of women and I don't remember what I said. I just approached those women. And next thing I know, they're like, hey, come to this, uh, you know, club with us. Now, this was a club called Envy. Now, this place hasn't been open for years, but, you know, it used to be a spot named Envy. So next thing I know, here I met these women on the street and I ended up going to one of the hottest new clubs at the time in my city. And um, I got VIP just by opening those girls up. And a lot of guys, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that. So you got to remember back then <clears throat> it was a different era. Women now are very, they're different, bro. They're, they're different, right? I really think that with this whole um, Me Too movement and the rise of feminism uh, 4.0, or the fourth wave of feminism, as I call it, a lot of women have become less feminine in, in the sense of that back then, women appreciated a guy approaching them. Like, women appreciated confidence. Even if, even if the woman wasn't into you, Women appreciated that because they know that it took balls. Nowadays, a woman will look at you appalled. They'll look at you appalled or they'll call you a creep. Back then, women were more respectful in, in the sense of even if she wasn't feeling you, she would like at least let you kick your game. You know what I'm saying? Even if she ain't feeling you, she might let you, you kick your game a little bit, right? And back then, you know, and I'm not saying back then was like, Super duper easy. I think the earlier 2000s may have been easier, but I didn't go out in 2000 or 2001. I wasn't I wasn't old enough to go out then, right? So when people say, well, how did you approach 3,000 women? Like I said, I became obsessed and I wrote it down. So then I would write my field reports. And that's how I started to build my, my rep, right? On, on certain places. Because people realize, yo, this this guy solo is really about that life. And I started to go out with other guys that were, you know, um, I went out with a Mac, for example. I started going out with other game guys that I met and whatnot and all of that. Once again, let me be clear, because I know we're over 19 minutes in. I'm not glorifying this lifestyle. I'm not glorifying this life. Because now when I look at it, I look at it not with regret, but I do look at it with, with, yeah, I do look at it with regret. Because knowing what I know now, it's a, it's a waste of time. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I've met, I met some beautiful, amazing women, guys, right? Some beautiful, and I had some amazing times. I, I, I remember one night, this was like Halloween night, a famous DJ came through. I forgot his name, but he's like a big DJ at the time. You know, one of these DJs, like DJ Artie or DJ Steve Aoki, I think his name is. 
he was one of those DJs. And he had like a big Russian following. I mean, all of a sudden, there were all these badass Russian chicks in my city. I'm like, damn. And Russian girls are hot. Like, let's let's keep it 100. And I remember, um, you know, I was supposed to meet up with another game guy. But at that time, they wanted 40 bucks. And, at the... <laughs> and listen, you know, living here in, in Minneapolis, right? $40 to get into a freaking club, like, or even, even with a DJ. I was like, fuck that. Now, that might be cheap nowadays, right? Because nowadays, if you want to see one of these DJs, it'll probably cost you like $200, right? Even though it's COVID now. But I'm talking about pre-COVID. But I didn't want to go in. So... I ended up approaching this group, right? It was a group of two girls and a guy. Next thing you know, I'm just chilling with this group. Uh, and we're taking like a little, you know, they had these little carts that these guys ride around. And I'm in the back of a limo drinking champagne for free. And it's like weird things would happen like that. You know what I mean? Like you approach people randomly. Next thing you know, you end up at like random after parties or you're chilling in random places. And what happens is when you approach, it makes you, you know, being that I was already a, a sales guy in appliances at the time, right? It, 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 it kind of naturally carried over and they both worked for me simultaneously. So what I mean is um, learning how to approach women made me a better salesman. And being a salesman made it easier than for me to transition to approach women. Because there's a lot of nuances that are similar, but yet different, right? Because when you go out to meet women, when you go out to approach, what are you selling? You're selling yourself. You're selling you. You're selling your product. Now, let's be honest. You may be trying to sell yourself to try to get a date, to try to be some woman's... Um, you know, boyfriend, or to try to sleep with a woman, right? But you are selling yourself. Where in appliances, when I worked at that store, you're selling a product, right? And so people got to understand um, approaching, like I said, I, I became obsessed with it. And... The, let's talk about some more pros of, of approaching so many people. So obviously, number one, it, it helped me with my uh, my sales job, as I said. Also, it, being able to approach women, three over 3,000 women, taught me how to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Because not every approach, not every um, woman you're going to meet is going to be a comfortable situation. There's going to be some situations where women will flat out ignore you and just be a straight up bitch. Like, let's just be honest. Flat out. Like, I've dealt with some rude ass bitches. Facts. You know? Um, and you have to learn how to do that. And so one thing I would do <laughs> when I was younger is if a girl, like, when I first started and a girl would ignore me, because that's, to me, that was just, like, disrespectful, right? And it, it is disrespectful. But one thing I would do is I would be reactive. I'd be like, wait, you can't hear me? La, 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 right? And that doesn't help. So what I would do is I would, I would make fun of the girl. You know what I mean? I would, I would say something like, oh, you must be deaf, Helen Keller. You know, like just make a joke. And sometimes I remember one time a girl was laughing 
like she couldn't hold it anymore, so she started laughing, you know. And um, a lot of people would say, well, you did all these approaches, right? And this and that. So let's talk about another pro. Let's talk about another pro. So I already mentioned it made me better at my sales job. And being it made me more comfortable being uncomfortable. But it also taught me to go after the things that I want. You know what I mean? Um, because here's the thing. The... I remember one time I approached this girl and she was very cold. She was very standoffish and I got her number and I didn't think anything would happen. Right. So me and this girl, we started texting and, you know, it, it was just whatever. And then at that time I was, you know, big into just jogging around, you know, Lake Harriet, which is like a big lake in, in where I live. And I was just telling her how I'm trying to, you know, get back in shape and, uh, you know, just how I was big into running. Well, unbeknownst to me, this girl was like a yoga, yoga instructor and she was big into the gym. She was big into fitness. And so as soon as I mentioned that I was big into running, all of a sudden it's like the floodgates had opened because all of a sudden she was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're into running so good for you, and la, la, la. Now, mind you, at that time, I was out of shape. Not as out of shape as I am now, but still, I was out of shape. And long story short, this girl, when I first met her, she was very cold, very standoffish, right? But because I mentioned that I like to jog, that kind of like, that commonality that we had, it brought us closer, and yeah, we did end up hooking up, actually. And, um, you know, that girl was a borderline. So <laughs> that's another story, though, for another video. So when people question about the 3,000 approaches, the negative, let's talk about the negatives. You become obsessed. You become obsessed with it. It consumed my life. Like I said, for four years, it consumed my life where I was just doing this. And, you know, one of the reasons why I did it for as long as I did it is you got to understand. When I start to understand the nuances of approaching and understood that being confident and having good body language, tonality, all of this. And then I started, I started to see the reactions, right? I started to see improvement. That's what kept me going. But you become obsessed because what happens is now, every time you meet a woman, a girl, you are analyzing their interaction like it's a math problem. You become obsessive with it. And that's not a good thing. That's not natural. Because when you're doing that, you're taken away from the magic of something that's supposed to be organic. Because the whole time you're thinking to yourself, what am I going to say next when you meet the girl? Right? The whole time... You're thinking to yourself, what am I going to say next or what, I'm what am I going to do next? Hey, let's be honest. Like I said, when I was approaching women, I wasn't approaching them with canned lines. And when I say canned lines, I'm, I'm talking about like scripted pickup bullshit, you know. But here's the thing. When you start to approach um, a lot of women, there's certain things that you do do a lot because you know it works. There's certain things you say that you know works, right? 
So you, you become over analytical and it takes away from the magic of approaching somebody naturally. Instead of making it happen, you're forcing it, right? Number two, um, approaching all those women too, it, it, it kind of, um, it, it, what it does is, you know, Neil Strauss calls it social robot, right? And um, a social robot is a guy who only cares about approaching. And like I was saying, but approaching to me became addictive. Like, I finally figured out things that had eluded me for so long that I didn't understand, right? And for me, um, while I enjoyed a night out and could enjoy with the fellas, my goal was to always try to meet as many women possible and approach, right? My goal was always to... Um, you know, meet different women. And if you're going out with the guys, sometimes that can be a bad thing. You know what I mean? And I remember a few years after I had stopped, I remember I went out with a guy. And, you know, I, and this was after 2012. This was like 2014. So I, I, I had stopped approaching. I stopped doing all that bullshit, right? And then um, I went out with this guy. And it was the same thing. But it, this guy was like a, a machine. So when I would approach a girl, I, I would do it back to back to back, right? But sometimes I always took time to still look around, have ambience. He was the type of guy that he would approach the whole bar. And if there was nothing there, he said, let's go and approach. Like literally, like he wouldn't even enjoy himself to have a drink. And, I, and then I thought to myself, is that how I looked? Is that how I looked? You know what I mean? And and so that's another thing. And another con is, is that, um, you know, it's not healthy in the long run. You got, you got to understand, like I was saying, uh, at that time in my life, I was working two jobs. I was working crazy hours. I was not getting a lot of sleep. You know what I mean? And for me to be approaching like that was asinine. Like, now when I think about it, I'm like, Jiminy Cricket, you know? Um, this is crazy. You know what I mean? And um, now looking at it, it you know, it, it's not healthy to just be doing that. And And here's the thing. And I'm not saying approaching women is bad. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that... A, a, it is a bad thing to approach women. No, as men, even now, when we live in a in a feminist society where women have the right to equal pay uh, and women have the right to pay for dates, guess what? Women still expect you as the man to pay for dates and they still expect you to approach them, even though, you know, women have rights to approach men nowadays and pay for dates nowadays. Make that make sense. Um. So I want to say that I'm not knocking approaching, right? I think that approaching kind of was like a rite of passage in a sense. Not not to manhood, but to to getting shit sorted out when it came to being able to communicate with women. Because a lot of the issues that men have is they're not able to communicate with women. That's the that's the truth. 
And now nowadays, it's also on the flip side. You have a lot of women that don't know how to communicate with men because they have lost their feminine energy. You know what I mean? And I look at it now where we live now in, in a society where a lot of men basically have given up because we live in a society where, you know, if you approach a woman, she will call you a creep or lame or the environment is not conducive. Now, a thing that I didn't even mention is you got to remember back in the day, uh, even when the economy crashed, there were certain places called meat markets, right? Now, what's a meat market for those who don't know? That's a place, a meat market is like a, a club or bar that you can go to that is like a hookup place. Everybody knows that that's the place in your city to hook up at. You know what I mean? And we used to have five or six of them back then. Now, we maybe have one, if that. Because the way the nightclub scene is built now is, the nightclub scene is built on, you know, they're trying to get bottles. They're trying to get people to pay for bottle service, even in a, in small-ass Minneapolis, right? Granted, it's not Miami, but that's what they're trying to turn this shit into. And by the way, I just came back from Miami. I've been there multiple times, so I know what I'm talking about. Um, but they're trying to turn that shit into Miami, right? Now, if somebody from Miami came to Minneapolis and saw this shit, they would be like, really? This is a joke. But that's what they're trying to turn it into. The meat market uh, scene has been killed. And it's been killed because of these dating apps like Tinder and Bumble. Because here's the thing. If you're a guy, and I remember my my roommate at the time saying, yeah, I'm not going to the club tonight. Why would I go out when I can just meet girls on Plenty of Fish, right? That, that was back when you had to go on the laptop to type. Now imagine a guy doing that 10 years ago, but now he doesn't even have to go on his laptop. He can just flip up his phone and swipe right or left. How easy it is. So why would a guy be motivated to approach a woman when he can be sitting from the comfort of his home, drinking a beer, swipe left or right? Like, why would a guy be motivated to approach a woman in real life? You know what I mean? And why would a girl be motivated to get her hair done, nails done, makeup done, look purdy, and go out to meet a, a guy? I think that's one of the biggest things that, that has changed. Besides the economy, that the smartphone era killed the the social aspect. Nowadays, if you approach somebody, people don't know how to react. What I'm noticing is in the social media era, a lot of people are becoming socially awkward, right? And, and so for somebody who has the confidence or the balls to approach, you are a rare breed. You are a rare breed. And I think that online dating, I mean, that's a different topic that I've addressed many times. But I think that online dating, social media, um, the economy crashing, they, they've all killed the nightlife. And I don't just say that for my state, because remember, I've been to, you know, a lot of different cities and states around the U.S. and have seen this, you know. Um, but, you know, nowadays, you know, you hear women complaining about, oh, men don't approach us. But, but then I think to myself for women, you know, saying that because I've heard women complain that, oh, men don't approach women anymore. What's the incentive? Why would a man approach when nowadays a man can be 
me tooed for even looking at a woman. You know what I mean? It's it's asinine to expect men to approach. You know, it's funny. Women want all these rights, right, in regards to the right to work, which I agree. Listen, I, if a woman wants to work, let her work, right? Women are now the number one um, sex in the workplace, right? And and whatnot. However, when it comes to approaching, you still want men to do it. But what about feminism? You know? So I look at that situation, and I understand, too, nowadays with a lot of these mo- modern men, a lot of these guys, um, the juice isn't worth the squeeze because women nowadays have so many options that you could approach a woman at a bar or nightclub, but she's already got, like, five guys Blowing up her phone that she knows in real life. So you think to yourself, yo, I met a foxy lady tonight. Well, she's not going to pick up. Back in the day, this is the difference. Main One of the main differences is a woman had incentive to go out if she wanted to meet a guy. She did. Because back in the day, even 2008, 2009, whatever, even though online dating existed, they weren't popular. And matter of fact, in my city... Being, online dating was shunned upon. It was something f- for losers. If you said, yo, I met this chick on, on Plenty of Fish or a dating app. And, and I keep bringing up Plenty of Fish because Plenty of Fish was the, that, the dating website back in the day that was popping, right? If you told a girl, oh, I met a girl on Plenty of Fish back in the day, uh, people would think that you were a loser. Nowadays, what because you got all these different dating apps... Nowadays, you say you met somebody on a dating app, it's not unusual because one out of five couples meet on a dating app. It's normalized, but back then it's not. And I think that if somebody were to ask to wrap this up, because I know I'm getting long, somebody says, well, Solo, how would you approach women now? Okay, cool. So let's get into this part. So here's the thing. One thing I realized after my first year of approaching a thousand women right i remember i was i was tired i probably just got done working and um i was writing down my my thoughts and experiences on my first year doing a thousand approaches and i realized very quickly that the hottest girls the hottest women that i met they were always in the vip or in a group they were always in the social circle and so when I realized that, right, and, and by the way, Neil Strauss mentioned that in his book as well. That's one of the reasons they created Project Hollywood for those who read Neil Strauss's The Game. But when I when that epiphany hit me, I, I decided, you know what, let me create my own social circle. Let me do that. And so I was, I was still doing cold approaches. So what I was doing then is I was using the skills uh, the skill set that I had built upon, and then I was using that to cold approach women and also men. Pause, pause. Now, I'm not saying I was looking at men, pause. But what I'm saying is, if a dude hung around me and said, what up? I'd say, what's up too? You know what I mean? Like, but that may sound wrong, but you guys know what I mean. Like, sometimes when you're in a mixed group, you might see a man or a woman. What I'm saying is, I would be friendly to both parties. Where in the past, I would only focus on the women, right? But, and I think that's one of the things that a lot of guys don't have nowadays is a social circle. Um, a group of um, 
guy friends or girlfriends or, or mixed friends of both men and women where you know both sexes can intermingle i mean people still have that but a lot of people don't like these black pill incel guys they don't they don't have a social circle if they did they they wouldn't be crying every weekend on these podcasts um you know what i mean so a lot of men nowadays unfortunately are isolated and isolation you know, being alone is good sometimes, but being isolated for too long, this is what COVID has taught me, is not fucking good at all. You know, human beings, we're social creatures. We're meant to interact with each other. We're meant to, you know, be, you know, be amongst each other's company. And um, here's the thing. I'm not saying being alone is bad. I enjoy being alone. Because it allows me to be introspective like I'm being right now and gather my thoughts. Um, however, the main issue a lot of men have is they don't have a, a friend group. And if you look at the number one way men and women meet is not through these dating websites or even at a bar club. It's through friends. It's through mutual friends. Oh, Sally, let me set you up with Harry. Harry, this is Sally. Harry meets Sally. Now they're, you know, going on dates. Next thing you know, they get married. Or, you know, Tyrone is meeting Stacy at a house party. That's how people used to meet, and that's how people still meet. But what's going on now, we live in an era now where a lot of men don't have that. Especially men that are not highly desirable. Because we live in the 90-10 rule, right? 90% of women are chasing after the top 10% of men, Right? And so there's a lot of men who they're not in the groups of, you know, men and women in a social circle, right? There are a lot of men that are alone and there are a lot of men that don't have the social skills. You know, they're socially awkward. Um, these men lack confidence. And so instead of working on that shit and like what guys would do in my era where you really worked on that shit and we pushed each other, right? We motivated each other. We live in an era now where men, because of how the climate is, it's so anti-men with, you know, feminism and Me Too and, you know, men being ostracized and scrutinized that men would rather on a Saturday night, you know, whack off, play video games and go on live streams to complain for six hours about women than actually go out and meet women in real life, not just at a bar or a club. But maybe at a house party or at a social event or sports game or somewhere and try to get that shit sorted out. And a lot of men have also become sensitive to being rejected, right? And maybe I'll do another video, my top 10 worst rejections. But bro, I, there's many times that I got rejected viciously, right? And this, <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes that, you know... Sometimes you laugh it off and sometimes you, you, you let that shit fuel you. And there were times too, and, and this is another thing, there are times where I would talk to a woman and I would see how fast I could get rejected by seeing how crazy I could talk. You know what I mean? That's one thing about me is I always wanted to challenge myself. Like, what is the craziest thing I could get away with? Now, back in the day, you could get away with some crazy shit. <laughs> okay? And... Maybe I can make a, another video on that too. Like my top 10 craziest approaches or something like that. 
but for guys that are who have issues with um approaching women and being scared remember women are scared too women are awkward as fuck dog like have you ever had a woman approach you women aren't used to that because guess what women don't know how to approach you know what i mean women have game when it comes to like manipulative and psychological tactics but when it comes to approaching and this and that a lot of women are basic most women's way of approaching is you know making eye contact is making eye contact or you know giving you a sexy look or something like that you know um yeah so this is the end of the podcast guys you know yo this is dope i like this i mean whoo Spoke for over 44 minutes, but I think that there's a lot of value here. And I don't have to edit this into a video, which is fine, which is dope. Yo, I think this, this uh, you're going to get a lot more original content on this podcast. I promise you this. But yeah, so when people wonder how I approach 3,000 women, um, I got into the mindset. I got into the, you know, the background and the environment background, uh, you know. And people who were around in 2008, 9, 10, 11, and 12, you, you, you know what it was. Like, you know what it was. Um, and my advice is this to men. The best advice I can give you, if you're a young man listening to this and you're afraid to approach women, remember they're girls too. These women breathe the same air that you breathe. When they, they take a shit, they, they bend over, my nigga. Facts. They bend over. Um, when they wipe their ass, they wipe the, their ass and put their pants on the same way that you do. You feel me? My only advice is this to any young guy listening, and I wish I would have had this advice when I was in my 20s, is focus on your financial freedom. Women are always going to be around. They're always going to be there. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't meet women, but I'm just saying prioritize the importance of your financial freedom. You know, there'd be nights where I would go out, and like I said, that one night I went out to the, and the DJ was there and I didn't want to spend 40 bucks. When you have to worry about money like that, and I was working two jobs, that, you know. And, I mean, the, the, the climate right now, obviously, if you're listening to this, this is during, you know, December 19th, 2020. This is COVID era. A, a year from now, who knows what it's going to be like. I think I'm going to make a video, I, uh, you know, I think after COVID, I think people are going to wild out in my city. I know for a fact they will. And what I mean by wild out is people are going to go crazy. People are going to go out. They're going to party hard. When when things open back up normally, not that this 25, 50% bullshit, but I'm talking about 100%, people are going to step out and it's going to be like the early 2000s again. Because there are a lot of people that are, are, are stir crazy. They want to go out. They want to have fun. They're tired of, you know, sitting at home. But before all that can happen, there's a lot of other things, unfortunately, that we have to go through, you know. Anyway, this is your boy, Solo TV 84 You can find me on YouTube at SoloTV84, Instagram, SoloTV84. Also, for exclusive content that is not YouTube-friendly, like my... Or, or content that's original, like my Black in Minneapolis series, go on www.patreon.com slash solotv84. That's www.patreon.com slash solotv84. My YouTube channel is solotv84. Um, I'm going to be very active on the, on the podcast. 
I'm probably going to be trying to upload daily um, because the podcast is easier for me to upload daily than a video. And uh, I'm going to talk about, if you like content like this, let me know, guys. I'm probably going to talk more about um, my history because a lot of people want to know, right? So I'm going to talk more about my backstory in regards to women. Um, I'm going to talk about cryptocurrencies a lot here. And I'm also going to talk about my mindset and the struggles of, um, you know, being a man, particularly a black man. All right. Well, anyway, I'm out. Peace.